Thank God it's Free Range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now.
101.5 UMFM, this is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Ells and kicking things off for us tonight. That's local act Begonia with a brand new single called Heaven. Came out online, I think on Wednesday. Uh, it was earlier this week, but regardless, it's floating around online. And I would recommend keeping your eye out for more new music from Begonia as they have announced some tour dates in the new year and uh, some some new music that they are working on. Exciting stuff. Also exciting stuff, I have a great guest tonight coming up after this next track. Uh, Theon Cross, we've played stuff from him in the past, a uh, member of Sons of Kemet, uh, but also a performer band leader under his own name. And uh, I got the chance to talk to him earlier this week about his new album, Intra Eye. Uh, before we get to that, the new graphic ensemble released a new single called Running on a Flame featuring Brother Portrait. Uh, the new graphic ensemble out of the Total Refreshment Center, uh, one of the epicenters of the UK jazz scene to which Theon Cross belongs. Uh, members of the ensemble include Alicia Joy, who we've played, and Nubaya Garcia, who uh, we talk about a little bit in uh, the interview with Theon Cross. Uh, so this is the new graphic ensemble. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM. where they stand your tail feathers and wingspan beating against the pain rise rise majestic in skies guardian to our hearts as we try 
When us here living, feeling spent And through that empty still gotta make rent Lift us to ease as we cry, as we breathe Between you and me This hope brought a hardship to needs Put a fist in their palms Let they march under feet Was a voice ripped hoarse Resignation, disbelief, blind rage All the stages of grief Evening time bloodied the horizon Clouds, breeze, purple and sirens Had us all with hearts in our throats Under tongues a well of promises and prayers For our yoke like we free to be free May our children's children never have to pray To know white God for protection on their way Never hide inside from somebody else's fear Forced to bend words till we're disregarding ear Let us know now and never once forget We the seeds of survival, so honour and respect All life givers through our living and our joy Rage against a bad heart and Babylon destroys All right, well, we've uh, featured stuff from previous releases, including Faya, but uh, his new album, Intra Eye, out now, and Theon Cross joins us to talk about it. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure to be speaking with you. Well, a, a pleasure for me. i you know, been following your career for, for a few years and uh, been in some of your stuff on, on the show, so exciting to get to talk to you about it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about like kind of your, your history. I mean, getting into the instrument of choice the tuba uh you know not necessarily the 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 instrument of choice for for all kids when they're when they're going into band and offered their choice of instruments maybe you can talk about how you landed with with the tuba yeah of course so um initially i guess i was drawn to brass initially because um my mom and dad signed me up me and my brother up for brass lessons when we were both uh, in primary school or Mm. elementary school in um, north america um, but basically my brass teacher at the time, um, had loads of different mouthpieces that he would give to all these new students. One would be like a, a, uh, trombone mouthpiece or a trumpet mouthpiece or a euphoria mouthpiece. Um, I buzzed out of all the different mouthpieces that he presented. And the one I got a decent sound out of was an instrument, a, a brass instrument called the tenor horn, which is basically like a, a soprano tuba. Um, and basically that's how... I got onto brass, but that instrument for me was just a bit too small and the, the mouthpiece and the almost never felt that comfortable. Um, so from there, um, I switched to a bigger instrument called the euphronium. Um, 
and then from there uh, I joined the marching group which used to do um, performances at Carnival in, in London called the Connecticut Blocko and um, what drew me to the tuba in that group was being like the bass player um, that's really where I basically found a role um, that made me feel comfortable and basically within that band I was able to basically hold down so much of the large ensemble that it made me feel like I had a very important role within the group. Um, and from there, that's basically where um, the tuba became like my voice and like my primarily like, source of inspiration as a as an instrumentalist. So it starts with kind of an embouchure test in which you self-select towards, uh, you know, a, a larger instrument and then you kind of find uh, a, a love of that that baseline and being like kind of the the root of a of a track in terms of you know because obviously in a marching band or in a in a a brass band there are drums and so obviously yep. like the beat someone else is keeping the beat but the the baseline very often is married to the rhythm section right like that that's a, a rhythm instrument more than it is a melodic instrument mm. Is that like foundational to you that like you are the the driving force or the person that like sets the pace rather than like carries the tune? Definitely. I think um brace and bass and drums for me are basically like the foundation of um any piece of music. I think um once once those two elements have kind of locked together, basically that kind of reaves it's almost like the foundation of the cake <laughs> for like other Lays to be able to go on top and uh, be decorated. Mm. Um, so for me, in every ensemble that I've always been in, once I've been able to lock with a drummer or, or drummers, um, it's, it's almost been foundational to the success of the of the music. Yeah, it's interesting you say, you know, like the, the base layer of a cake and then kind of like you can't have the cake without that, like the decorative parts have to rest atop it. Uh, I know you've worked with Micaiah McRaven, Mm. And I, I talked to him, uh, I guess a couple of records ago, and, and I've talked to a couple other drummers who are band leaders. And they said, you know, they're well positioned to kind of be the band leader because they, as, as the person who sets the tempo, but also the person who like, everyone builds a top, you can see things in a different way. Do you find that that's the same with you as, uh, you know, the tuba player that like, you see everyone else building on top of you, and you're, you're more positioned to kind of understand like as a central place where, where you're at? Definitely. Um, I think the great thing about being a super player or, or bass player in any role is that you're, you're responsible for often doing something very simple, <laughs> simple but important, which um, kind of gives you the, spa the, the, the space to actually listen to more things around you. Um, and definitely in a band leading capacity, I just think that... Um, being the one to kind of ground things or or hold things together and think more about doing something simple to, to support others uh, means that you're listening to the music in, in a much more um, understanding way. You're almost overstanding or overlooking um, the ensemble that you're playing with. Um, and that's definitely been one of the um, roles I've liked, I've enjoyed taking in music. Um, from being able to basically overlook the ensemble from from a bass perspective. <laughs>
Right. Now, I was reading an interview you did with Loud and Quiet where you're talking about kind of the impact of that marching band and hearing some, being exposed to some music of, you know, Fela Kuti and, and some, some other artists at the time that you hadn't, hadn't had exposure to. Mm. What, what was your, like, I mean, cause you mentioned your parents, you know, got you into the, the brass band. What was, what was your kind of like home musical upbringing? Like what was played in the home and, and what impacted you early on? So for me, um, mainly, I mainly heard Caribbean music, I would say. Uh, my mom's family is from St. Lucia. My dad's from Jamaica. My, my dad's family is from Jamaica. And on my mom's side, I would often hear a lot of uh, like Caribbean music that was popular on that side, on that island. So that would have been like soca music and uh, Zouk music and a lot of like French African music. Um, but on my dad's side, I heard a lot more roots, reggae, and sometimes dancing and things like that. So definitely um music from the caribbean but they're also both lovers of like r&b and like motown and things like that mm-hmm. um so i heard a lot of like soul music growing up um and sorry go on yeah yeah no no i was, I was gonna say because like the the one thing like the the soca and zook would have like is like the percussive element and then you know the bass is so heavily in, impactful in reggae and dub right so it sounds like mm. throughout it all there was always a foundation of like the, the the rhythm or the pulse being a very important thing to whatever music was brewing in your home. Definitely. Um, I guess all the music I've always had around me has always been dance music and rhythmic music. Um, and I think it's definitely what has helped me to approach the tuba um, in a much more rhythmic way than it's normally utilized. I think, um, all the bands I play in and the bands um, or, you know, the, the band that I play in myself and lead has been um, using the tuba, using the tuba as a, as a bass instrument, but also as like a rhythmic driving force, <laughs> if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Um, and um, definitely um, the music I grew up with and at my house has definitely informed uh, the way I approach that. You mentioned the band you play in as well as the band you lead. So Sons of Kemet, the, the band you play in. I'm, I'm curious in terms of like when it comes time to composing material for yourself versus like playing within that band. Like if you come up with an idea, do you ever say, oh, I need to back pocket this as a Theon Cross number or like what's the what's the kind of like creative impulse and how do you kind of harvest out what works for you versus what works within the context of Kemet? Um, in Kemet, I'd say... It's much more of a group interpretation of um, how, how we create the music. I think um, Shabaka, who, Shabaka Hutchins, who leads the group, um, will often come with a framework of a composition um, where he might write um, his melody and my bass part and then the basis of a groove. But I guess what makes it unique or what makes it have its own sound is everyone within the group has their own way of um expressing themselves and how to interpret some of the music um and i think often when we're playing live is when a lot of the compositions will take their like final form (laughs) i think um and for me it's a compositional in a sense it's 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 compositional in a group sense where there's a there's a basic uh framework that shabaka often will will make um and then it's up to us to really develop it and turn it into 
a track um, that uh, is, is a Sons of Kemet song. Um, I think with my with my writing, I think I often try to think about all the parts. <laughs> um, not to say that's not the case with Kemet, but I would say I definitely uh, write individually for for different people. And I guess one thing I tend to do is I write my own drum grooves a lot of the time. Um, often I'll like make something on on GarageBand or or Logic or something, and I'll be like play play as close to that as you can. And sometimes that might not even be a, a drum groove or something that's like humanly possible. Mm. Um, but it's just about um, figuring out how to do that or figuring out how to communicate, things like that. You have a lot of collaborations. Do you write with those collaborators in mind? Like when you're like, b before you even approach them, it's like, oh, this is, this is a Remy piece. This is a Nubaya piece. This is a Moses piece. Like, like, are you thinking of those artists before asking them to play on it? Definitely. Um, I think for Fire, that definitely was the case of um, writing writing pieces that I think they could interpret in their own way, but that I think would work for them um, was definitely the case for Fire. I think for Intra I, because um, the album was much more about um, themes of introspection. Um, and the main collaborations were all vocal artists. It was about finding the people that I think sonically worked on the track, but also that I felt could like speak to the the like theme or the subject of what the tune was. So something like the spiral um, was always about the spiral being a metaphor for um, journeying inward, and Anansi and Zoo. Um, I've always been people that I thought um, offer like lyrics that often are about going into self or learning about self. Um, and I think it, like that was the right context for them to be on a track like that. And the same goes for um, Consensus and Shamba and, and Remy, I think. It was collaborative in a sense of reaching out to them for what I knew they could bring to the concept. Did you give them much direction in terms of like, what you wanted for the from them or like just kind of like the overall thematic arc of the, what you foresaw this project being or like did you kind of trust them knowing their work to come at you with something that you could work with or incorporate i think it was just about making them understand what the subject meant to me um and what was the backstory to how i had arrived um at that place um conceptually and that and then it was a, definitely a sense of just trusting them to be themselves i'm not a lyricist at all <laughs> so i think observing people that have that skill set in the way same way that i would craft a solo can craft like an, an amazing um verse or chorus which is something that i wanted to sit back and um explore and, and watch someone else do um and i think it made yeah, a better collaboration by me sticking to um, what I'm good at, which is, uh, I guess, making the backdrop for them to express themselves and letting them um, speak to the theme of what um, I was presenting. Right. Now, you mentioned the spiral. Um, the, the track that follows it, Trust the Journey, mm. uh, you know, instrumental track, but it's like it's at the heart of the record, right? Like it's right in the middle and it kind of seems to, speak to what you're talking about the lyrics of the spiral expressing mm. in terms of like 
the idea of like building a record in terms of the the track listing and how the flow is like is this the the heart of the record like because very much so in listening to it that song despite being without vocals on a on a record that has a bunch of vocals expresses some of some of this the most i think yeah i think um i guess for me the mo the album has a lot of different moments and moves around um to express kind of more happy moments and sad moments and reflective moments um and i think trust the journey comes after um, I guess more danceable tracks like We Go Again and Spiral and Fortitude. And I think it was the moment to just center things <laughs> in, within the chat listing. I think it was a moment to really bring things, um, bring the album into a reflective space, which is why I think the track starts with like nature sounds and takes you basically on a journey to, to, to by the end, when you get to the end of the track, it's like, you, you, you've been on a journey <laughs> so I think it's 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 the moment in the album where I think it's about centering centering people into into a zone and into a space well and your your instrumentation is very evocative on that track right like I think it's a very melodic and and expressive tune for for the tuba yeah it's uh funny enough with that track um the drum groove that a lot, a lot of people think is drums is actually me um, uh, beatboxing into the tuba. And Emre done something with the production to really make it sound like it's drums. I think even some of the cymbals you hear is me hitting the bell of the of the tuba with brushes. So the the, the track literally is all it's tuba. You. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's literally all, all tuba and using the tuba as percussion as well. And it was just an example of really trying to show how much the tuba can do. I really wanted with this album to create a universe <laughs> of sound out of this instrument, um, which I think hasn't been done quite like this um, technologi technologically. Um, and I guess Trust the Journey was a means to really um, exemplify that. Did you come up against any kind of like technical limitations uh, to to achieve that vision? Like, like were there sounds you wanted or heard in your head that just couldn't capture or that like presented some problems that you had to solve in the, in the making of the record? Um, I think it really was working with Emery to explore new directions. I think I, I came in often with arrangements and ways that I wanted things to sound, but I think Emery understood how to record and manipulate the instrument so well that it was definitely, um, a journey of like learning more than rather than to try to create things. So instead of trying to envision a sound, it was more like, let's try different options and let's, um, let's put this filter here. Or if the tuba needs to cut through like in the higher register, let's put this effect on it or let's make this bass sound thinner on this track than on the other. So I think it was more a case of um, going with the flow and experimenting to 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 make the track what it needed to be right now usually with a, an artist there's there's some like cutting room floor kind of decisions that get made you know some some tracks that don't make the cut was there anything that you did that just didn't quite fit with intra eye 
was there anything I did? Well, funny enough, um, Remy Graves, who does the intro, um, the intro track called, called Intro, I'd actually envisioned her um, on We Go Again. And I think what she had written to was originally We Go Again and was originally meant to be on that tune. But we realised that what she was saying was actually quite broader than the track We Go Again. It kind of spoke to the themes of the whole album. And it, and it, and it just felt that the, the beat was just a little bit too quick and upbeat to really match what she was saying. So in the end, we ended up... Um, creating a new track or a new um, instrumental to really kind of fit her vocals and, and to really open the album off in a much more uh, reflective space. So that was probably one of the, the biggest uh, changes. So you kind of pulled, pulled it out and created it as like, like kind of the mission statement or the like entry point for the whole record. Exactly. Um, I think she, originally she was going to just to speak to like, we go again. Uh, which was, you know, that song conceptually is about, um, I guess, like seeing each new day as as a, as a day for reinvention and growth and leaving the old self behind. But I think her, her poem was actually much broader than that, which was kind of like a happy accident. <laughs> so it was like for me, like the manifesto or the or the or the the intentions set for the for the rest of the record. Right. Now you came out of the Tomorrow's Warriors program. I did, and so, I mean, some of the the, the folks who who are a part of that same program all seem to be kind of part of this same burgeoning. I mean, this is of course like outside looking in here. This is a North American view, but like this UK jazz scene that is pushing at what jazz can be defined as, or like what what sounds get incorporated into jazz. Is that like, was that something inherent to each of you as, as, as people before that program? Or did that program help instill that? Or like, what's kind of the impact of, of Tomorrow's Warriors on, on your career and, and your, your sound? I think the Tomorrow's Warriors gave many musicians a grounding um, in improvisation. I think it was a place where people, first and foremost, it was a free program. So in London, there are a lot of um, youth programs, but a lot of them you have to pay for. And a lot of them only end up um, having students that you know come from a social economic background that can afford to um, learn jazz or, or learn music on, on the weekend. Whereas I felt like Tomorrow's Worries was a bit more inclusive of musicians from all directions. <laughs> um, and I think that just made an environment where you came across different musicians with different ideas and different ways of expressing themselves. So I think the environment itself was a means of being around people from a different type of view and with different intentions and different dreams and different ways of expressing themselves. So the environment was definitely a space where um, you could develop with other musicians and create something different, but also have a, having a grounding in jazz because I guess primarily it was a workshop where you would you know cut your teeth in in jazz like learn standards like Joy Spring and Donnelly and and basically be able to be um, able to maneuver in a in a traditional jazz context mm -hmm. but 
it was around other young people who were listening to music outside of that. So for example, um, people that were also listening to grime and hip hop. And, and because of that, it was just an environment where, um, at least for my generation, um, people were learning how to get better at jazz, but with an understanding of a respect for other types of music, which then helped to inform a new way of thinking and approaching how to uh, contextualize the improvisation, if that makes sense. And yeah, I no, I think it kind of speaks to that, like kind of academic or cloistered effect sometimes jazz can have where, you know, the like allowing new sounds in is sometimes greeted pretty, pretty disdainfully, right? Like you think about like Miles's electric period mm. and how like a lot of jazz musicians turned their backs on him and critics hated it and stuff like that. But when you think about all the music that's come subsequent to that, like something like on the corner is so mm. pivotal. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, definitely the musicians that stem from that program, um, a lot of a lot of people from that program had an ethos of being themselves, um, and I guess although we learn the American tradition and respect the tradition and we love the tradition, we are miles away from the states, mm -hmm. and I think um, there's a lot of music over here that informs our identity. That it was, I think, a lot of us saw was worth drawing from. Um, so when it was time to spread our wings creatively and put put out music that reflects who we are. I think we ended up incorporating a lot of different influences that were more um, closer to who we were as musicians and as people. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, before I let you go with you on, I want to get you to pick a track off the record that we could play for listeners. And if you have a reason why you're picking that song in particular or an anecdote about it, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Um, I'll choose Fortitude. Um, so this tune is uh, in dedication to my grandparents who came to the country from St. Lucia um, in the late 50s and a part of the Windrush generation. Mm. And Fortitude for me is about celebrating them for venturing over to the country in their early 20s to start a life but it's also interesting because um, they had ended up they ended up staying in the country for forty years, but had only intended to be here for five. I think when they were being sold the dream of coming to England, they were told that if, when they come to England, they'll be loved and respected, and they could amass enough money in five years to be able to go home and build their home which wasn't the case <laughs> when they got to this country as a hostile environment and, you know, being able to maneuver and build a life here took, took some time and some hardships. So it's a salute to them, um, but also to the entire Windrush generation, because I think without that mass migration, we wouldn't be the culture um, that is prevalent and is celebrated about Britain today. So, it's a celebration of them, uh, that generation, and 40 years in this country. So it's a play on words. 
40 fortitude <laughs> nice yeah no that's 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 a really strong sentiment and yeah like thinking about like a lot of like the last decades worth of mercury prize winners right like the most mm. celebrated records how many of them are are due to the windrush generation right like that that's music that stems from that lineage definitely definitely so i don't know i think intra eyes about the journey within and knowing knowing oneself and i guess for me knowing the journey of people that came before me is a part of that journey that i felt like i needed to represent um so you know whilst they're here i thought i would definitely um use their use their story to celebrate them and it's also uh, i took a little sample of uh, a conversation i had with them and stuck at the end of the track so that's them on the so track that's them on the track yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll definitely play it the whole way through we're not going to cut your grandparents short no no worries <laughs> uh the album is intra i theon cross thanks for very much for taking some time to talk about it man no problem thanks so much for having me
Mr. Izerada brings people of the Caribbean to the job. That gives them the right.
Back here on Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. Right before the break from Tel Aviv, that was bassist Shay Hazan, the track called Afrobeats from the forthcoming Reclusive Rituals album that's on Batov Records, the Israeli label. Uh, really cool stuff. Uh, the, that track is streaming on Bandcamp along with a couple others from Reclusive Rituals. It is the last Bandcamp Friday, apparently. Uh, something that's been going on throughout uh, COVID. I'm a little surprised, actually, because COVID's not done with us, that uh, Bandcamp is done with these Bandcamp Fridays. But um, if you're not familiar with it, of course, Bandcamp is waiving all of their fees today. So all of the money goes directly to the artists and labels if you make a purchase. Uh, and that runs to, I think, midnight Greenwich Mean Time. So still some time left to make a purchase today. Uh, if you like Shea Hazan, I'd recommend checking that out. Before that, of course, Theon Cross with Fortitude off of Intra Eye. Uh, and you can get that record on Bandcamp if you enjoyed Theon Cross's work. Uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We've got some more mellow music here. Uh, Field Guide, uh, responsible for one of my favorite singles of last year with a, a new album called Parachutes. Uh, last track on the album is called Sparks and features a collaboration with the band Dizzy and then Winnipeg's own Joey Landreth with a new record called All That You Dream uh, I've seen the CD out at McNally Robinson and uh, so certainly something you can get your hands on locally we're going to hear the track Long Distance Love we got some more mellow tunes coming up keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM Look out for you 
the season of the snow 
coat was buttoned tight against the wind as she walked towards the ticket office. Where to? She tried to find her purse in her cluttered bag. Makeup, toothbrush, her notebook, some keys. Not enough money to get to Vienna. But perhaps she could stay in Paris for a while. Nobody knows her there. Maybe she could get a job waiting tables. Or maybe it's best to keep moving. Maybe it's best to keep moving.
from West Coast label tool use that is Vancouver Island artist Prince Shima with Needles on the Forest Floor from Matsu's Forest of Dreams, a forthcoming LP. Really nice, blissful stuff. Before that, Sina Chien with a new track called Her Winter Coat out via Bella Union. Keely Rutledge, my guest from a few weeks back with social cues from her album Tender Heart. And uh, for Bandcamp Friday, she's actually put some demos from her forthcoming record up and uh, all proceeds are going to a charity in Nashville in her adopted home. Uh, before that, speaking of home, Rain Hamilton, Winnipeg artist with Eclipse, a new single. Julie Durand with I Thought of You, a new record on You've Changed uh, Bilingual. It's uh, half and half of uh, French and English tracks. We heard Et Mon Amour. Joey Landreth and Field Guide started that off. Uh, we're going to switch paces one more time as we gear up for handing things over to After 8 Radio. Pick up the pace a little bit. This is R&B act Araya with the track Blue. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM. Afternoon, I'm smoking with you. We talk for miles about the things I was supposed to do. It's been a while since I felt this close to you. I wonder why we fall apart before I get to do what I want to do. Yeah. I need a miracle. We were waiting for something to happen to come out the blue. I'm gonna die here
dance fast car, you're lagging out of Change, 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 change